HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. They're too bad for radio and too good-looking for television. And now, here they are. The Nichols and May of the Now Generation, your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. All right. <laughs> that intro never gets old. It never, <laughs> it never ceases to amuse. And now it's got the stamp of approval from the Christopher Columbus of punk rock himself, Andy Chernoff. Hey, Judy, how's it going today? It's going really great, Mike. How's it going with you? It's going awesome. This is like our Oprah moment. Today, <clears throat> we're bringing back together uh, um, the Harpo and Chico of punk rock, uh, Andy Chernoff and Howie Pyro, who's in town playing with Degeneration last night, your first gig in 12 years. But first, how are you today? Judy is a punk. I love that song. Mike um, is a runt. <laughs> I'm hoping we can get a Barbara Walters moment, too, and somebody cries. I, I'm feeling it. I'm, um, I'm feeling it a lot. But reuniting you guys. They got onions here, don't they? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so what's going on? Andy Chernoff, the progenitor of punk rock from the band The Dictators. You've got a new record out. You're telling stories. You're a modern-day troubadour. Um, yeah, I'm the insensitive singer-songwriter. <laughs> yes. It's the only kind I can tolerate. <laughs> He's got brass tacks. No, I've been... Um, is he doing the music thing? I play every Wednesday at Lakeside Lounge, uh, early, 7, uh, 7.30. Perfect Very for Very casual performance. Uh, See, we are becoming like Seinfeld's parents. Yeah. You know, it's the early bird special with, with Andy Chernoff. Absolutely. Two for come one home, beers. You come home, you go to work, <laughs> you go out to see me play, you got a free show, happy hour, two for one drinks, then you go home. And you take care of the kids, and you have your dinner. And <laughs> Otherwise, you go home. You got to go. Then home. you go back out and cheat. Then you come back. And your wife. <laughs> As opposed to Howie, who plays a, a sold-out smasher of a gig last night, and you know, and saw the sun come up and dragged him out here to the Mike and Judy show. Thanks yeah. for coming out, man. Thanks. Yeah, I, uh, thank you. He's a youngin. 
I have no th- voice left, but I'm gonna I'm gonna radio it anyway. So uh, I hope our our listeners know uh, Harry Pyro, the storied Harry Pyro, local legend at, at least, who Andy just called the Zeleg of punk. Besides Degeneration, who else have uh, you played with? Mother. Uh, I was in Danzig. I've I've uh, played with actually uh, Johnny Thunders, Jane County, Debbie Harry, um, Psychic TV. Um, I written songs for Rancid and been on guests on some kind of bunch of records by a lot of idiots. And here you are doing internet radio. And me and Andy, you know, we go back uh, almost 40 years if I, if, is that right? God, that's scary. Um, 1975. Uh, wow. We grew up in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, Howie, when he was a uh, 14. Yeah. He booked the diff- very first successful dictator show ever. I love this game. I love we, this story. We were bombing out all over the world. <clears throat> all <laughs> over the country. We're opening, opening for, for Rush. Billy Preston, <laughs> Billy Preston, they hated us. Opening for Rush, they hated us. Uh, it makes sense that they would hate you, though. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, no, it's true, because there was no such thing as punk rock. This is before the Ramones, before MTV. Before, before everything. Pistols. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, how we booked us at his junior high school. <laughs> and we, uh, we, we uh, the kids went crazy. We threw hamburgers. We threw hamburgers in one. Right. Well, well, White Castle White French Castle. fries. Um, they bought like a like we did last night with the newspaper. They bought like a lot of French fries, and they threw them at the audience. And I don't know what your connection was with Circus Magazine, but I know that um, like in my fourteen year old like um, like bizarre life, it made my entire existence. Real, there's a full page article on this show in Circus Magazine, wow. like you know, a month later or something like that. Yeah, I think and, uh, I think this guy Dan Nuger was a fan of the Dictators, and he was at the show, and I think he wrote the article if I remember correctly. And then you know they went on to inspire everything that we know now as <clears throat> punk rock. It's and, true, you know that is totally, <clears throat> you know, the blindly having done that. Um, you know, I can't say it was done it from taste or anything. It just sort of happened one way or another. Well, but, the great thing about but the how insane that was thirty six years ago or yep. something. Yeah, <clears throat> and to be sitting here now, and, and you know, Andy produced Degeneration's first um, recordings yep. and with Daniel Ray, and um, you know, we've been, <clears throat> you know, just uh, this is the you Oprah say moment. reuniting. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready for the Oprah moment? Here we go. We've never really been separate. It's the Barbara Walters that moment. You so know, there was never any big tragic. You know, it's all about out. friends. It's all about people. <laughs> yeah, all about friends and people. Um, and you guys, I mean, but it is, you it is so weird, you know. You know, the infighting among the dictators is notorious. And how's it going, DJ? This is your first show in New York in twelve years. Infighting. Yeah, you guys getting along? Hey, if you haven't been on a fight on stage with someone else in your band, I don't even consider well, we you had a, band. I was in a fight with uh, Jesse, our singer, last night for sure. He, <laughs> at the no end, by the end thing. of the show, he picked up Rick's entire pedal board and threw it on my foot. I thought he broke my foot. <clears throat> There's and no it, such uh, thing in the as a meantime, great band without fighting. Un- unplugging What's the who? What's Rick's the Kinks? Guitar. Rolling Stones? Beatles? Come on. Yeah, on stage always. And especially the dictators. We don't oh, have to fight yeah. anymore because we, we don't play. Because not talk to each other anymore. <laughs> no, I saw Richard last night. That's not true. I talked to everybody in the band. You know, last time... Yeah, uh, they were both there last I night. I was sitting with him. When, when Richard was here, Handsome Dick Manitoba was here, it was uh, Joey Ramone's birthday. Right. And we had a little party. And I understand today uh, would have been D.D. Ramone's... 60th. 60th birthday. Oh, wow. And also today's the day Rob Tyner died. Really? Wow. Yeah. By the way, my single, I have an unreleased Joe Ramone song. That's very cool. You work with Joey, um, and you yeah. were there like at some like pretty. I played uh, with Joey. Pretty pretty heavy moments at the end. I, actually, I was actually in the ho- in the hospital room when he died. Oh. Um, 
So his final breath, I literally saw the blood drain from his face. I've never seen anybody die before. And uh, I was looking at one of those those oscilloscope kind of things, the mm, life signs. Yeah, yeah. And, I and go, he's not a doctor. <laughs> Clearly. I saw it go flat. I go, holy. I look over yeah. Joey, and uh, his face, literally, the blood stops pumping in your, from your heart. So there's no, like, pinkish hue to your skin. And his face went white. And uh, that was his last breath right there. But in honor of him, my uh, the B-star to my single is an unreleased song. Uh, called Make Me Tremble that we recorded it back in like 1991 or something. Or that's right. Well, you worked you worked on his uh, record as well. Worked on a solo record. I worked on a whole bunch of Ramones records. You worked on the Ramones because yeah. I wrote the uh, liner notes for that Ramones record. One of the last ones that DD yeah. sort of had faded off into his that so-called was, yeah. rap career. My favorite was King, yeah. That uh, was when DD was in the band, but he really wasn't in the band. So was writing songs. Uh, yeah, he was writing songs. That, uh, what was the name of that record? I can't. Scream, Scream Dreams. Uh, uh, brain, brain, brain drain. drain. Brain drain. Brain drain. That's when he. he <laughs> so he wasn't around. So I played a bunch of bass on the record, and I played some guitar on some of the records. I'm heading to Coney Island right now. My favorite, favorite moment. I have a photograph of it. Is I was went on the the cyclone and a bunch of rides with Dee Dee, uh, and we were just with a whole bunch of people, and people were photographing it. And and the experience of being in that situation with someone that insane is really something I will never, never, never forget. Yeah, I could say, Dee Dee Ramon was a different person every day. <laughs> oh, really? This is no great. lie. Was it every the minute sometimes. Was it he, no, he was, uh, schizophrenic. he was schizophrenic. He was schizophrenic. So one day he hated you, but he was an idiot savant. I, yeah, in I the had Ramones, he was a genius. Beautiful songwriter. The week really was, great one songwriter. Of the best, one of the best ever. I mean, Rockway Beach, is there a better song on the, ever written in, in the rock roll genre? Absolutely, I, I, I challenge. I challenge your listeners. And for the first time, up. Mike and Judy fall silence. No, it's, it's absolutely it's, it's classic. I, I will. I'll put it right I, up there. Yeah, like I mean, else. he was. I we had a fight, a absolutely like sixth grade type retarded fight, and I didn't talk to him the week that he died actually because of it. Because and I saw we saw each other on the street, and he looked at me like. Ew, you know, like <laughs> and walked by. Yeah, yeah. I loved Didi. He was a very, very, like seriously, like if there is like a picture of idiot savant in the, in the dictionary. The, yeah. Well, the Ramones were like the Neoplatonic ideal of rock and roll band, including the dysfunction and the mental but, illness. But people think they and, they, and they are trying fighting. to be funny or something, but they're not trying to be funny. The, those lyrics and that music was like it's, their truth. And, and their life, and like it was not like a comedy, and it wasn't satire, it wasn't anything like that at all. It was right. absolute reality. No, they yeah. distilled it down to the most purest thing, and it's and it's right. perfection in every possible way. But also, they thought they thought they were sounding like the Beach Boys at certain points. <laughs> but they know? did. Or it sounds yeah. like Jack Nietzsche or, I know, or, or Phil Spector. I mean, there's all group these influences came in, and it came out with all the fat cut away and just the pure meat. There. Now you guys, the look, essence you guys, you guys are Queens boys, and this is where great girl band music came from. I mean, yeah. and you play with Johnny Thunders a lot, and he loved the girl bands as well, the New York Dolls. And that's where they got their whole stick. I have, uh, I adopted Phil Spector's dog as well when he went that's, to prison. That's a great wow. story. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, prison? Howie is a big collector of his. I mean, his house is like a museum, and I think that is the well, ultimate. Come to see him. The coup de grace of his collection is Phil Spector's dog. <laughs> I was, you know, it's funny. I was there. They're they're working on a uh, does, does reality he, does he, show. Does he make a wall of poop? <laughs> <laughs> he does. He pooped on my pillow actually the first day he was in the house. But they're making a reality show with uh, Phil Spector's wife and him. And at least had, he didn't shoot you in the fucking head. <laughs> and they asked me to be in it. 
uh, and I did the whole preliminary thing, and they really liked me, and they wanted me to be in it. But the, uh, because I'm here now, I, I'm not going to be able to be in it. Because you're here on the Mike and Judy show <laughs> in New York City, <laughs> he went. He went for the class over the money. <laughs> so what happened last night? You guys played at uh, Urban Plaza, K. sold out. You haven't been here in twelve years. You guys got so popular so fast in New York City. I mean, I when you guys, I saw them open seemed, for Kiss. I, mean, I was there. Oh wow! That was but who, really but fun. we've opened for a million other bands too. You guys kept yeah, that party rolling you know, for a while. The Ramones a lot, you know, the Social Distortion and. Uh, Green Day and all, you know we a lot of people we were made a good party and we were fun and and girls liked us and you know all those bands that's what they want yeah <laughs> they want you and they bring the own. opening band to um, <laughs> you know make make that all that stuff happen because a lot of those a lot of bands just don't have that kind of thing going on yeah the, the women are alienated at a lot of rock shows I mean back in the hardcore days we you know if you stood up front you were going to get a boot in the face for sure. <clears throat> You seem pretty mellow, Mr. Chernoff. You're carrying your acoustic guitar here. You're, for the Col- Christopher Columbus of punk rock, you seem to have uh, mellowed. Like fine wine. The ship is, you know, coasting. Um, you know, getting old. <laughs> Slowing down. It's Sunday morning. Is that, is that Sunday morning. morning. It's, really, it's a Sunday morning, so what do you want? Hello, Get, Louis. Getting old is the light motif of this show. It's a, recur- yeah, it's a recurring spe- theme. Speaking of fine wine, you also have a, a sort of a secondary career as the punk rock sommelier. That's so true. That's very true. And how's that, how's that going? Have we uncorked We've actually fine? linked on that level as well, which is so actually, strange. Actually, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, I, I, I've been in the wine business for uh, 10 years or so. Actually, longer. Longer, And yeah. for a while, I worked with, uh, actually, you introduced me. To John Luc Ledoux, who's the James Beard Award-winning sommelier, and his store Ledoux's Wines was chosen in Zagatz as the best wine store in the city. And a great rock and roll fan. And a great Jean-Luc. rock and roll fan. So I worked for him for about five years, and now he, there's a winemaker called Charles Smith who works out of Washington. At one point, he managed the uh, Ravenettes. Ravenettes, and I'm at a wine tasting. I see this guy with a with a Ramones T-shirt, so I go over and talk to him. Anyway, we became kind of you know buddies or acquaintances. You know not friends and uh and how did i find out then how we started djing for his parties because he's like he likes to throw parties he throws these insane parties and he you know like spends a lot a lot of money on him he flies people in a private jet and he and he we met it in california and he flies me to wherever the parties are and he has these insane like with burlesque dancers and you know psycho billy bands all that stuff and i dj and people get really drunk and i play all these 50s like records about drinking wine and like you know people go crazy (laughs) but then you know i had them send him a case of wine and you know they're like kind of like what are they rated like the number one they've won a lot of and can people who listen to the show actually afford this stuff yeah uh actually this is a story very rock and roll oriented he was making high-end wines and he was also making some casual like ten dollar wines he sold the low-end business for a lot of money i think that's where he I mean, he was doing well, but that put him over the 80% top. 80% of the wine business in America, I know this for a fact, is like the crap that Trader Joe's pushes. It's $10 a bottle and less. Right. And that is 80% of the wine market in this country. That's where the money is. Yeah. So then he went for the, you know. Yeah, he was always doing the high, but now he concentrates on the high-end wines. But it's not, I mean, you know, $40, $50 a bottle. So it's not like $100 or 200 bucks. But he bottle. wins, you know, awards or whatever they give. And, it, yeah. so and got, uh, he does He's, he's really a great well. winemaker. And he's a he's, freak. He's this giant, he's this giant yeah. afro. He's like crazy, like freewheeling, insane person who like is like the, you know, one of the coolest people yeah. you'd never expect. He's a party animal. Yeah, seriously. Have you, have you tasted the guy from Tool's wine? 
That sounds like such a bad set. You can't the guy from Wine's Tool. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, okay. I can't remember the label. Well, you know, Fred Smith makes wine, right? Fred Smith. And that's actually really terrific stuff. From television? Yes. Fred's a good buddy of mine. I mean, he has a winery upstate New York. That's right. And is it Rock and Roll Red? He has Rock and Roll Red with Tish and Stuckey on the label. And it's great. I got to say, it's very full body, concentrated, very nice wine. And his uh, his wife Paula is sort of like the head winemaker. Fred's something involved mm-hmm. in it. My first real bass. Let's even like, throw this into more of the blender. My first real bass I uh, got from him for my 18th birthday uh, from Weebuy on 48th Street. No, for, it was his bass. Uh, oh, was Dan Electro Longhorn. Okay. <clears throat> and Eileen Polk bought it for me for my birthday off of him. And here we go. I just bought a Jerry Jones. Longhorn bass, which is a copy of the Dan Electro. <laughs> oh my God! Okay, so uh, ding, ding, ding. Oh, okay. Your turn, Judy's turn. I got nothing. I know Eileen <laughs> Polk used to go out with John Holmstrom. That's all I know. Uh, what's this? The seven degrees of uh, nihilism. Well, wait, we should have Andy do a song now. There, there's like, one. Have Andy do a song now? Yeah. Let's, okay. Let's Andy wants to play hey, a song. Let's have Andy do a song. Let's, now. let's, let's okay. have Andy do a song. Should I do the sacrilegious uh, offensive song? Or yes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Here yes. We go. Okay. Just a second. Let me okay. get set up. Give us a, tell us what this is all about, the sacrilegious and uh, heretical, insensitive singer-songwriter song. Really, you sure you don't want to just do a cover of Fire and Rain? Mr. Bojangles? <laughs> do what did he did As you know, um, you've heard the good news, right? I've heard the news. The good news about Jesus? The good news. He's coming back. The good news. I've heard the gospel. The bird... Is the word you know? I was, <laughs> you know, I was born in New York City. You know, and these evangelical Christians. I really didn't come across them until I started hearing about them a few years ago, and uh, stuff like original sin, uh, the rapture, six, all, six, six, all new stuff days. to me. But it's been great. Shoe. It's been great songwriting <laughs> material. I was born a sinner, I was naked in the womb From the time I was a fetus, I knew I was doomed Offered my forgiveness, he said he wanted more And that's how I learned to serve the Lord So get on your knees for Jesus till he comes, till he comes Get on your knees for Jesus till he comes He didn't want to leave us, so he's coming back to please us Get on your knees for Jesus till he comes. When Adam ate the apple, that's when it began. The sacred tree of knowledge was never meant for man. I felt it when he touched me, I knew he was my friend. And that's when I saw Jesus rise again. So get on your knees for Jesus till he comes, till he comes. Get on your knees for Jesus till he comes. Didn't want to leave us, so he's coming back to please us. Get on your knees for Jesus till he comes. Get on your knees for Jesus till he comes. Get on your knees for Jesus till he comes. All right, yeah. Well, all right, all right. Howie, did you see what that is? That's um, your that's your future. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people a lot of people don't know. That uh, Andy <clears throat> is actually 
you know, the original uh, singer of the Dictators, and that the first album, which I guess you know, I in my world at least a lot of people uh, that think is you know love as the the most beloved uh, dictators album I, I think he sings most of the songs yeah that, I sang most of them. yeah that was when we uh, were young and innocent and and we're not corrupted by the ways of the music business you know it's incredible you've gone from singing about white castles and pro wrestling to singing about the Lord and same, there's your Oprah shit. moment um, and there's by the your way, Oprah moment <laughs> zombie Lord I have a lot of new songs about food <laughs> I do okay I tell you what we're gonna take a break and I think we should play some D-Gen some D-Generation to honor last night's Smash Roo successful return gig uh, this is D-Generation this is the Mike and Judy show with Andy Chernoff and Howie Power we'll be back in a second yeah Here on the Mike and Judy Show, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network from Bushwick in the County of Kings. Here we are, Roberta's. There is more punk rock in this room, and I know what to do with it. It is so punk. <laughs> Whoa, I dropped my, my safety pin. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire here with Andy Chernoff and Howie Pyro. And uh, Howie, you're in the radio business too, I understand. Yeah, I have a really, really very popular radio show. I do it out in Los Angeles. I. Uh, have insane it's called intoxica radio uh, i have like really weird guests on there like question mark and the mysterians and kim fowley and Miriam i say and i say i understand but i confess to being a regular listener it is absolutely fantastic it is swampy and psychedelic and groovy and it's intoxica radio where do we find it uh i broadcast live on tuesday at 9 p.m west coast time on luxuriamusic.com but i have a um really really large archive of shows that you can listen to uh, if you just uh, Google Intoxica Radio and Podomatic P O D O M A T I C dot com, it'll come up. There's like a, you can listen to about six months worth of shows. So is it true that psychedelia is the last refuge of a punk rocker? No, he's <laughs> not really. He's not really psychedelic. I think it's more trashy. Rock. Yeah, no, I play really trashy, yeah. um, retarded, uh, like rockabilly and obscure stuff. And, all like original forty fives. Remember when music was retarded? That's what I like. Remember it. when you could say retarded without getting yelled at? I still say retarded. I do too. It's, it's there's special. an entire uh, fan club for my radio show called Intoxitards, actually, <laughs> and um, then they all have they get this tattoo, 
that says primitive and it says intoxica underneath mine doesn't and they're numbered and they have this whole and the tattoo is of, of weirdly gruesome the guy from the Flintstones that moved in wow. next door the monster family that had a rock group well I told and, uh, I told Howie I'd send a limo for him and imagine the surprise <laughs> when it was a short bus but <laughs> 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 well, what we were talking about on the way over here though was is somehow when did it become uncool to be publicly drunk and stumble around when did it become uncool to be out of control when you people did it without style because they're all teenage NYU student retards. Two, well, two, two. Also, when people start, I mean, once you have a, like a, a good drug-related death or alcohol-related death, will put a damper on the fun for a while too. Like Amy, I mean, Amy Winehouse's death sort of. I she's her. she. I loved her. She seemed kind of. She just seemed so sad towards the last two years of her life. That's I guess. That's why she died. Yeah. Yeah. She knew. You know, I think amateurs starting. That's what I meant. And too many people are out there getting drunk. You got to leave it to the professionals. <laughs> That's what like I us. meant. Well, you know what, Andy? You're the one who told me. You said punk rock won, and now we're all paying the price. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's amazing. It, it kind of lasted longer than any other uh, musical trend, probably in the history of music. It, you know, interestingly, the rockabilly revival has lasted longer than rockabilly. <laughs> yeah, it's totally. Original form also. Totally, totally. Um, I just think the concepts of punk rock uh, won out. Um, the music doesn't really exist anymore no. uh, because his first was only three chords and there are only so many permutations you could do with those three chords. So uh, I think, though, that people, they believe in it as a thing that they're doing and whether we think it is or not, it is. Because, well, you know, in, yeah, in anyway. kids' mind, like, they, they have a, a certain kind of, like, concept of what it is that they're doing and they do know the history of it and they are, are aware of, of, of so much stuff you know, that um, I, I think it is valid in a bizarre way, even though I might not like it. Well, I always say it's the singer, not the song, and that's the perfect uh, pr- proof of it, though. You know, we've got three chords and the intent to. Now, it's like that Cheech and Chong movie, Alice Bowie. Remember these guys? He goes, <laughs> oh, the tutu. He goes, man, it's punk. You don't got to be good. You just got to be into it. <laughs> that's but, where I live in East L.A. But, um, so, Judy, I think you had uh, some questions for Mr. Pyro. Yeah, I wanted to know what it was like. <laughs> I was like a huge Misfits fan. I went to, mm. I used to go see them. I loved them. He used to buy comics in my bookstore. And so I got this assignment to interview him. And, I, you know, I'd known him for a long time. And I went to the hotel. This is after Danzig started. And I was, I was asking him all these questions because I knew all, like, you know, when did you start? Yeah. All the, like, normal stuff. And he just shut me down. He was so stiff. I asked him about the chocolate cake that was sitting on it. He got really ups like you don't write about the chocolate cake that, that he had had a bite of. Like, There's always one of those. Yeah, and um, you know, he. Uh, I had been friends with them since 1970. There's a crazy video, actually. The earliest footage of the Misfits is a video of me singing, and he's playing guitar, and Jerry's playing bass, and uh, at this weird after-hours party in 1978. If you look on YouTube, it's really embarrassing, <laughs> and we do Peppermint Twist, and I want to be your dog, and uh, and. Uh, you know, I had been friends with them a long time. You know, me and Jerry were there in the room, like Andy was saying, when Sid Vicious died, you know what I mean? Right. And, and we, um, you know, and those people were my best friends. And um, we had a big fight. And later I wound up being in Danzig after not talking to him for like 14 years. He and, seems and, to have uh, a way of alienating people he worked with. Not, or, not me, you know, like no? he was like absolutely the most generous uh, with money, with time. He gave me a house to live in. He paid me when we weren't playing. I mean, like, I have never really experienced, um, you know, he has a bad reputation. And I'm not saying that you did this because, you know, he's a moody guy, but you have to really understand that he is, his image, Rollins too, they both have the same thing. Like, 
every asshole guy wants to get in a fight with them right to say that they got into fight with him and then the part you don't know is that then they sue them right and like every time this happens you know what i mean then they sue them and you know they both have a lot of money and, and they both are like seriously abused by a lot of people in the public and and uh they're very, very, very defensive, and one wrong word will set either one well, of those guys into like a you know defensive position. Well, Rollins was Rollins was also like a super shitty interview for me. He wouldn't look at me. He sat next. I kept. That's trying a whole nother thing, but it was it was so <laughs> awful because I was a big fan too, and then I just didn't want to meet anyone whose music I liked after a while because they were both. It, so it has a lot terrible. to do with that stuff, though. Trust the art, not the artist. Yeah. <clears throat> but ha- but Danzig is no I don't I don't know Danzig but he's known as a guy with not really a sense of humor. I yeah, he's really that? funny and he has a really okay. funny okay. sense of humor. And he's maybe Don, fu- Don fucking he's just, compared to Henry Rollins. He's really not <laughs> he's really not comfortable. You know he's not going to have a really funny sense of humor when sixty people are coming at him at one time and he doesn't know what's going on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's really used to like this bad. You know a lot of. I, you know, I lived with him. I we toured with him. I was in that band for years, and you know, it really is like amazing. Like I watched, and it's funny to me because I knew him way, way. They used to open for my band, The Misfits, wow. and you know, that Max's, um, just because they were my friends and uh, my band, The Blessed. And and you know, you walk down the street and people like run out of restaurants and are like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And you know, if if this is your existence, twenty four hours a day. You can't be normal. I mean, you just, it's not, you know, like, it's yes all the time, and like, oh my god, you're you're dancing, <laughs> wow, you know, people running out of stores, and like, you can't walk down the street, you can't go anywhere, you know, and it's all day long, everywhere, even in hip places like Hollywood. Well, yeah, and, and when you're at a level like Rollins or Danzig, you're you're really famous, but you're not famous enough to be completely insulated from the real world. Yeah, and like then people like, make fun of him because he went and they took a picture of him doing his laundry on the corner or uh, something. Buying you know, kitty like, litter, that yeah, was the big like, picture. Wow. Whole... Like, how? Okay, but let's, what does let's, that mean? Let's just put this started. in the context. This is Glenn Danzig. This isn't Mick Jagger. It's not David Bowie. It's it's not... Uh, but he does like go like by his own Frank kitty litter. That's just, but, you yeah, know, that's the thing. Mick Jagger has five people around him to yeah. keep everybody else away. You know, Glenn Danzig, does he have a bodyguard? No. No, he's, well, he is. Bo- well, he has his own bodyguard. His bodyguard, actually. <laughs> he's a little shrimp. Early, early days, his bodyguard was that guy, Jesse James, actually. From the really? TV show, yeah. Uh, what do you know? You know, so... And you, would know, you know this stuff because you live in L.A. these days. So How's that? Yeah, I was really, gone Hollywood. Really, you take, you, you take the boy out of New York, but... But... You can't take the butt out of the boy. <laughs> two guys, two guys who I never thought would go Hollywood is Howie Pyro and Scott Kempner from The Dictators. Yeah. They were very New York, <laughs> and they both live in. Hollywood. I didn't think I could either, you know. But I, what, what a lot of people don't understand, especially people who just visit California. Sometimes, um, I just had this conversation last night. I don't. You could not pay me money to go to Hollywood. I don't go to Hollywood. There's all kinds of other stuff existing in California. You know, like I live in East LA, speaking of Cheech and Chong, like in a serious, you know, which was like the Lower East Side in 1976. And, you know, except the really funny thing about LA is that um, the Mexican people have always been involved in rock and roll and stuff like that. We're uh, Puerto Rican. Uh, I had uh, one or two Puerto Rican friends in the early days who were like punk rockers or something. But generally speaking, they were not mixing here in New York. In LA... It's always been Mexican rock and roll. True. Rock true. and roll bands, like endless, massive rock and roll scenes. And still there. are. 
Yeah. And they love Morrissey. And, and uh, you know, but I could go <laughs> in my neighborhood. Morrissey posse? <laughs> That's not rock. I could go in my neighborhood and there's like a like five blocks away, there's like a Mexican death metal club. And like, That's you know, there's cool. all kinds of stuff like that going on. And it's really, really amazing. And there's really young kids who have stores and they put on shows and they're doing things that I can't even comprehend what it is. You know what I mean? Like in, like new. Like mm-hmm. actually there are new things. You know, I see it all the time. And you can afford to do that in LA. You can't do but that. But I never go to Hollywood. Anymore. I never ever go to Hollywood. I was talking to Jesse, you know, Jesse comes to Hollywood. I mean, to California, he only knows to go to the Viper Room or something, which is like, you know, it's $30 to park there. Like, the, the most horrible thing in the world. It's the last thing you'd ever do. Anyone that actually lives there that's knows. Like, that's like coming to New York and going to the Hard Rock Cafe. Exactly. <laughs> Except, I did that when I went to LA. Went well, to you know how I feel room. about LA. I'm going to start, I have to start my Facebook group. It's, it's called Bars, Not Cars. And that's what it was. Last time I was in L.A. and I called Howie and a few other people. I said, hey, let's meet for dinner. And there are five people coming from disparate neighborhoods. One cat lives in Silver Lake. The other guy's from West Hollywood. Yeah, but you asked us to meet in a horrible place where it you was, can't park. That wasn't my idea. I suggested you guys, you locals. And, they, you know, because it's not, there's no central part of L.A. It's, I mean, it's all these towns in search of a spiritual center. I mean, downtown L.A., I mean, who goes even goes there? And by the time we all got there, it took five people, five cars to have dinner. I said, let's go have a drink. And they're like, what the fuck? We're not parking our cars again. <laughs> yeah, you don't even think about that here. You worship at the temple of the old Oldsmobile in L.A. <laughs> Except for you, and you found Jesus. I found 88, Jesus. 88. But I, I, I mean, like, L.A. is great to visit, is my personal thing. But I spend so much time in a car there that getting from one end of town to the other is two hours. I'm a shitty driver. You know what, Andy, and you're gonna come back. I just don't go to the other end of town. We're gonna invite you back for our special uh, LA versus New York show. I think because no, absolutely don't go to the other end. I don't understand. You made me go to the other end of town. uh, I don't understand how you figure a traffic jam into your day. I mean, how do you? You don't. If you sleep through rush hour and you only exist (laughs) at night and you don't go to Barney's fucking beanery, then you know you're fine. Right on. So it's uh, another rip-roaring Mike and Judy show. Did we have our Oprah moment? Did anybody cry? I cried. I saw I'm that. Inside, yeah. I'm crying all the time. <laughs> Did you cry, Judy? I, I have really bad allergies. She so has yeah, dust in her eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> A straw poll amongst Mike and Judy and their guests on Who Smoked PCP. Um, it was unanimous. <laughs> Last time I smoked angel dust was in the St. Mark's Hotel with Bobby Snots in 1978. See, add one more. One more. Harry Potter and Andy Shirtoff. So, uh, Howie, what's next? You going back to L.A. to do more D-Gen? Yeah, I go back to L.A. on Tuesday. D-Gen goes up the West Coast for a week or so, and then we're playing a big festival, actually, with Danzig and Slayer and The Damned and a whole bunch of Murder oh, City wow. Devils in, in November, and, and that's all we have planned. Cool. Now. I'm sure Seinfeld's parents will be there. Yeah. And Andy, you're uh, gigging at the Lakeside. You're doing at the Lakeside. Um, I have a video, animated video coming out uh, in October. What? What? Animated Do video. Tell. And I'm actually, I'm going to tour Canada with Walter Lore doing the Johnny Thunders, Walter Lore, Waldo show. That sounds great. Yeah. And, uh, In Walter's? Yeah. Yeah. And wow. I, and, and my band, Master Plan, we got a new CD out. Get, awesome. Get, uh, little Steven picked us as so- coolest song of the week, like a few Which weeks. makes you... They have another link, because, cool. you know, Walter Lore was in the Blessed. That's right. For a long time. And That's we right. made our one sole single. Yeah. With and him. I produced Walter's record, The Waldos. And Degeneration. So it's a big... Me and Andy, the more we talk, the more like I think we might be related or something. It's a big punk rock clusterfuck, and I love it. 
old home home week here, the Mike and Judy show. Good Thank time. You so Good time. Much for being on. And pizza. And before we go, I want to uh, introduce. You know, we have a new show coming on right after us, uh, Judy. It's uh, Jason Colucci, and he's. Uh, Looking for reality in food. This is the morning after show. I promise it's going to be good. Ugh, says Howie, but um, ye have little faith. Um, Jason's a great guy and a great restaurateur, so stay tuned. His show is on 3 o'clock. But for now, it's Mike Edison and Judy McGuire with Andy Chernoff, Howie Pyro, and this is uh, Andy's new single. That's right. Thank you, guys. See you guys in a week. Good times. The light shines through Guess who's back It's the zombie Jew He's really pissed At the unmarried fornicators The stem cell crusaders And the butthole invaders Towers fell and the earth did quake. Just a little taste of its vengeance. America, prepare for your fate. Cause when the trumpets sound, he will astound. Watch the rivers turn to blood. The sinners cry, the dead will rise. Judgment day has come. Are you ready to rapture the Savior that you spurn? Loves you forever, but the unbelievers must burn. When the zombie Jew returns, the Jewish zombie had a virgin for a mommy. He's so confused. Life's a mess when you got two daddies and you think you're blessed. So we die for your sins, get back for your brains. Guilt trip until we're all insane. He needs your money, he reads your mind. From this theme park in the sky. Are you ready to rapture? Our Savior has returned. He loves you forever. But the unbelievers must burn. When the zombie Jew returns. This is a message from Fork and Anchor. Aaron Fitzpatrick, the host of our wine program, Unfiltered, is looking for help on Kickstarter to open Fork and Anchor, a general store inspired by two food-loving ladies with an equal affection for urban life, the sea, and the agricultural paradise of Long Island's North Fork. The store is situated in a growing community of farmers and winemakers and will become a meeting place offering prepared foods, a variety of sun-dries, and a selection of homespun products, many of which will have their origins in New York State. Your backing will help them fulfill their dream of fostering relationships with the community and making the local food system accessible on a broader scale. Search kickstarter.com for Fork and Anchor and donate today.